get high. Before you leave, here. though, we need to get super high and watch 21 and 22 Jump Street. That's, That's true. like a requirement. I love, I love those movies. And then we're doing our uh, horror craft night. Yes. Soon. We can do that. Not this weekend. Not this weekend, but next week. Yeah. We can do it. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Hey, what's up? Welcome to Anyways, How's Your Sex Life? We are your spooky hosts. I'm Channa. I'm Corey. And welcome to episode 61, y'all. 61. It's a fucking good episode. We are getting close to the golden number, 69. I know, 69. And Hiram's going to be our guest host. Hiram is going to be our guest host. Yeah, I'm super excited. Yeah, bitch. I'm so, yes. And our episode yes. 69 is in the month of 420. Bless up. It is. So. Oh, my God. Yeah. Hashtag blessed. Um, we have a major announcement for you guys involving the oh, guess, yeah, podcast I mean, schedule yeah if you haven't noticed we've been re- like releasing episodes more on tuesdays yeah um so we're just gonna do that <laughs> yeah we're switching it to tuesdays it gives us a little bit more like breathing room to edit because otherwise mondays were just a little hard with work and with like life yeah. so tuesdays are a bit easier for us so yeah ongoing podcast release date is now tuesdays mm-hmm. get you through that tuesday and that tuesday that might that might change again um when you go out when you leave when i leave but maybe not i don't think that'll it'll really will be a difference yeah. yeah but for at least for the next six weeks it'll be tuesdays yeah and um, we'll let you know like when Corey moves to idaho if we change the schedule we'll let you know yeah um, very true we'll figure it out but let's just jump straight into it because it's going to be a little bit of a long episode again oh okay my my, my stuff is pretty normal length my stuff is my spooky scoops short on purpose because my thing, segment oh, your is, thing is long. long. Oh my god, and it's it's bad. My thing's so long <laughs> that it actually I debated turning it into a three or four episodes. Oh shit! But then I was like, okay, I'm just gonna condense it all down to one, and then when we do Patreon again, <laughs> or okay. I'm gonna do revisits of this in of the future. It? Okay, okay. Because there's so much. It's just it's one of those topics where once you start reading about one thing, yeah, you have you it, can like, just go on it, forever. Yeah, exactly. Rabbit holes. Um, so let's just jump into your avocado facts, yo. Yeah, so mine today, I said it was going to be something else. So I'm going to like officially stop saying that next week is going to be exactly <laughs> something because maybe half the time I actually do it. Oh, my God. Um, so I was going to do. Ooh, I'm so excited to get drunk. <laughs> right. Already getting there. So I was going to do Rose Cleveland, but I wanted to check with Carl about something and I didn't have enough time to call him. Okay. So I will do Rose Cleveland next week. The lesbian first lady. The le- the first lesbian first lady. Okay. Yes. Um, so she'll be done next week. Yeah, um, she will. Oh. For sure. Um, but this week I just decided to do some fun lesbian history facts. Ooh, Yeah, super fun. excited. Okay, so the word lesbian originally derives from... The name of the Greek island of Lesbos. We, I've been through this before because I went over uh, Sappho. Okay. I was Sappho, like, this sounds familiar. However you pronounce her name, I'm sorry. The Greek uh, poetess Sappho, she lived on this island. It's believed that she lived on this island. A lot of her poetry has a lot of innuendos, has a lot, of, not even innuendos, just blatant stuff about her being in love with other women in her poetry. Um, so you can go look at that. I do that. I do her works in a past episode, um, but I just wanted to start with that fact and get everybody grounded and on yes. the same level with that. Next, there is a girl by the name of Elsa Gidlow. She's a freelance journalist and philosopher who wrote On a Gray Thread in 1923. Also um, has free frozen powers. Yeah, she has free frozen powers. Oh, my God. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's lesbian. Holy shit. Elsa. Yeah. Elsa. Um, so she was considered... Uh, so this book was considered the first volume of open lesbian love pro- poetry published in the U.S. Years later, in 1986, her book, um, I can... Come <laughs> with my songs. We're like twelve years old. 
<laughs> I couldn't even say that without stuttering. <laughs> I Come With My Songs yeah. became the first published lesbian autobiography. I Come With Lana Del Rey's songs. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so um, next one is in San Francisco in 1955, the daughters of Bill... Bilitis or Bilitis, the DOB was the first civil and political rights organization for lesbians in the U.S. Ooh. It was considered a social alternative to lesbian bars, which were you know just like raided by police frequently. Um, and the DOB became a support p- uh, system for women, a place for them to hang out and convene together, and also uh, require or sorry, not required, sorry, offered educational resources for lesbians and also gay men. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and I've talked about that before, too. Um, I forget what Pride, last Pride year I talked about it a little bit, where in the 50s and even, like, the late 40s, you see these, like, homophile groups, and they were labeled as homophile groups because that's a dated term for homosexual. Mm. Um, that's not, like, I don't think it's very appropriate to use that now or call somebody a homophile. Homophile. But, they, but still to this day, you would call those, like, pre-GLAD and stuff like that uh, groups homophile groups. What's more is- Oh, she's all sleeping. She fell asleep because she was playing so hard. Oh, s'mores. Where's Simone? Simone's like, fuck you, Corey, you moved. Yeah, no, literally, she is like, has a voodoo doll of me right now. I'm like pissing on it. (laughs) She's pissing on my voodoo doll. Yeah, she's like, fuck you, Corey. (laughs) So now we're going to go on to a little bit of sad history. During World War II, evidence suggests that lesbian prisoners of Nazi Germany were required to wear black triangles. We know that, uh, Gay men had pink the triangles. Pink ones, yeah. Um, and, and so now the triangle is now considered a symbol of pride and solidarity by lesbians and feminists everywhere. Mm-hmm. As well, um, uh, the pink triangle is considered, uh, you know, a symbol of pride uh, for gay men. Um, and I would just say in general, like any little triangle thing, like, you know, oh. is interesting like that. I yeah. have a tattoo of one. You have a tattoo of one. Why? Because I was drunk. Because this is supposed to be our group matching tattoo. Sorry, but not sorry. I ain't a bitch. <gasps> I had a dream that I had a, got a tattoo. Really? And every, yeah. And I was like, oh, I should get a tattoo, blah, 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 blah. And I like called everybody and asked. And everybody was just like, yeah, get a tattoo, but make sure like you can cover it up eventually. And so I get this tattoo and I'm super proud and happy of it. And then I'm like, look, guys. And I show y'all and it's all over my hand. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? Why did I get this on my hand? Well, <laughs> I have ideas for us to get matching tattoos one day. For I need my perfect body. So. But for anyways, how's your sex life? It'd be really Oh, cute. okay. Like, uh, it? well, it'd be cute for us to have a little champagne glass somewhere together yes. if we want to do that. But there's also like... We could do like a bundle of sticks, cause, you know, like a oh, faggot, like holding a little like like picket sign or something like that has like a fact on it. Or for me, like a spooky scoop. I don't know. It's just something cute. Yeah. I, I mean, I just need to uh, I need to decide. I don't think I ever want want tattoos, but I might. A champagne glass we'll somewhere could, could be cute, like a little secret spot for a tiny champagne. Glass yeah, like somewhere. a tiny champagne on my leg or something like that. Yeah, that's adorable. That's true. And we love our champagne. Bitches love champagne. Next is in 2012, uh, Senator Tammy Baldwin uh, beat out former Wisconsin Governor Tommy Thompson. Wow. Tammy Baldwin beat Tommy Thompson. (laughs) And she became the first openly gay member elected to the Senate. Ooh. Um, Cool. And basically, uh, her time in office, she pushed a lot of legislation against hate crimes, um, fought for marriage equality. Um, she also advocated against bullying and suicide among LGBT youth. Guess what time it is. It's 420. It's 420. It is it? Oh, it is 420. <laughs> I hate to interrupt. You're very serious. 
thing, but we talked about 420 like every five minutes, so I had to keep it going. Oh, you're good. Um, so the last little uh, fact that I have is is interesting one that I had no idea about. But so you know how we have the Red Scare in the 1950s of people like you know being that senator being like, oh my God, whoever is anti-patriotism, anti like fascism for. Well, I guess fascism was super bad. You know, like who has who's ever anti-American or who doesn't support the government 100%, you're a communist. Yeah, yeah. So people were getting scared. Um, uh, homosexuals were a big target for this. Oh. Um, that's also called the Lavender Scare. Um, and that's when in the United States and the United Kingdom, uh, lesbians and gay men, just anybody who was queer, was continue, considered a communist sympathizer. So the term Lavender Scare comes from the title of Lavender Lads, lads, which was used by Senator Everett Dirksen uh, to as a synonym for homosexuals in the early 50s, Jeez. derogatorily. Lavender Jeez. Lads. This uh, lavender or the color purple is considered to be queer, um, a lot like queer very often because it's the combination of red and blue of man and woman. Yeah. So it's, it's purple. And then during the 1970s, so 20, you know, 2015 years later, the la- there. Um, the lavender rhino became a sort of mascot for lesbians. Oh my god! <laughs> so the so lavender fun. color uh, rhinoceros was used as an activist symbol to increase awareness of the presence of lesbians. Um, the rhino was chosen as a symbol because, by nature, rhinos look like they're peaceful animals until they're threatened and then they're gonna fuck you up. Uh, it's purple because of the lavender scare, and also because just purple is considered a, a very queer color. And then there also is a heart always depicted on the rhino that uh, reflects the common humanity of all people, no matter who you are, like your creed, color, um, orientation, or whatever. Um, yeah, so that's, that's it. That's cool. I didn't know that was a thing, but the lavender rhino, you can go look up like flags of it and stuff like that. That's fucking that's cool. sick. Yeah. I like it. So that's my faggot fact. There's some lesbian history fact facts for you. Yes. Lesbian history. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. My spooky scoop today is very short. Because my segment is hella long. So continuing with cults. So if you are new right here, I don't know. Hold on. Let me re-say that. Holy shit. I'm getting drunker every word I say. <laughs> I'm getting drunker and drunker. Y'all, we're going to watch the Bachelor season finale tonight. I'm going to be drunk, drunk when, when we're at Kyle's. And we're already drunk. <laughs> <laughs> my spooky scoop today is continuing with cults because uh, that is like the month. I'm making March cult month because, you know, why not? Cults are really interesting. They're all – all the episodes are – ending up being some of my best episodes so yay but anyway so my spooky scoop is a continuation of last week's spooky scoops where i'm going through like the different types of cults and um, today i'm talking about polygamous cults so polygamous cults were it was it was fun for me to research because anytime you google polygamous cult the only thing that pops up is the mormon church and as you all know (laughs) Corey and i left the mormon church i had seven wives yeah, and I am like six of them. <laughs> so Simone's the the seventh. Yeah, S'mores is like there. She's too young. She was too young. S'mores did just Before have her I birthday. Left. She is one years old now. So, so the definition of a polygamous cult are cults that teach and practice polygamy. Marriage between more than two people more often have one man having multiple wives. Damn. Uh, but I like that it says most often one man having multiple wives. So there, there is some polygamy. There could be one man having multiple husbands. Ooh. So there you go, Corey. Yes. So Corey's going to start his own I'm Mormon gay again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a gay Mormon. And I'm, I'm a Mormon. Gay man. <laughs> I'm going to start a new religion called gay men. <laughs> and the name of Jesus Christ, gay, gay man. man. Gay man. <laughs> <laughs> it has been estimated that there are around 50,000 members of a polygamous cult um, in North America today 
Wait, say it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one, I, you, one, you stumbled, and two, I was too drunk to be listening. <laughs> I, I was too drunk to listen to what I was saying. <laughs> oh, my God. S'mores this, is like, Jesus, uh, <laughs> we're going to be here a while. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to skip that fact. No, I want to actually, it sounded interesting. I want to know. Okay. It is estimated that there are around 50,000 members of polygamous cults in North America right now. Current mood, 50,000. North America, including Central America and Canada. Yeah. Okay. You know, most by North America, I actually mean Utah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure most of them <laughs> in are in Texas. Utah. Yeah. Um, so when you think of polygamous cults, you are probably thinking of Mormons, a.k.a. the LDS Church, mm-hmm. um, and you are right to do so. So from 1852 to 1890, polygamy was practiced publicly in the LDS Church. Mm -hmm. Um, In 1890, Wilfred Woodruff, he was a Momo prophet, um, he issued the Manifesto, which is basically a whole letter that says the LDS Church. Wilfred Woodruff did not issue that manifesto. The Lord did. Oh, 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 I'm... Wilfred Woodruff. I was like, shit, did I get the facts wrong? Did a different weird prophet (laughs) You did get your fact wrong. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother uh, whispered... You can't talk about her. (laughs) Heavenly Father whispered, warmed Wilfred Woodruff's bosom and whispered in his ear, the manifesto. One night after some bomber sex. Yeah, with a child, Wilfred Woodruff released the (laughs) manifesto. While Jesus was laying on Wilfred Woodruff's chest. Yeah, while while Jesus was scatting on Wilfred Woodruff's (laughs) chest. The manifesto was released, which basically says... That the LDS Church had ceased performing new plural marriages. Now in 1904, LDS members were still practicing polygamy because they were like, yo, fuck you, scatting Wilfred Woodruff. So the church released a second manifesto. And basically the second manifesto was the church saying, y'all, like, we said no polygamy. Like, we're not doing polygamy anymore. This is our, like, public hard stance. We said so in 1890. Um, one, it was made illegal. How like perfectly timed that was. That God said that they couldn't do it anymore. But for reals, Mormons were not doing this anymore. Whoa. Uh, now by 1910, the LDS Church um, started ex- excommunicating those um, who were still in plural marriages. So they mm-hmm. were really like a hard stance. No polygamy. Yeah. So to be fair, like we do, you know, do little punches at the the Mormon Church. The Mormon Church, like the Church of Jesus Christ Latter Day Saints, does not practice polygamy. Not anymore. They do not. But Mormons or schisms of the Mormon church do. Yeah. And that's what I'm getting into right now. Yeah. So members who left the church or were excommunicated because of polygamy ended up forming their own like branches of the church yeah. in their way, like in their own way. Um, and some are still active to this very day. Yeah. For example, like if you walk into any Walmart <laughs> in Utah at any time of day, true, you will see a polygamous family. Yeah. But yeah, so to this day, there are still like multiple off branches of the LDS church claiming they are the true LDS church and they still practice polygamy. True. Though polygamy is illegal um, in the United States, they still practice it. So they don't get like legally married to multiple wives. They just, you know, marry one girl and they like have little ceremonies to represent their marriages with the other women. And they'll literally live in like compounds of a few houses, like out in yeah. the boonies in Utah. No, or it's in like, Texas. it's they're like, they're fucking cults. They, yeah. And uh-huh. one thing I want to, I want to make clear about polygamous cults. So the difference between like polygamous cults and like any other cult, because usually like doomsday cults and um, the destructive cults and all the cults I've talked about so far, like polygamy is involved at some point where like the leader does take on multiple wives, but that's not like their whole central theme. Like their cult does not 
surround itself around polygamy. Whereas these off branches of the Mormon church, they were formed because of polygamy. Because of that. Yeah. yeah. So their cult was formed because of that. It's just like how doomsday cults were formed because it was end of times, things yeah. like that. But a lot of cults, you know, they, they do practice polygamy because a lot of Christians can validate it because that's what it says in the Bible, things like that. So anyway, that's my little two cents. That is polygamous cults, AKA the Mormon church. <laughs> okay, cool. That's it. Um, my turn. Yeah, bitch. Let's go to my supernatural segment. We're so, at 24 minutes. Nice. Mine today is on the haunting of the St. Augustine Lighthouse. Ooh, Ooh, a lighthouse. So. That's fun. Yeah, a lighthouse. Yeah, I haven't done a lighthouse. I've wanted to do one. Yeah. Um, I, I had this, like, story, too. There's, like, a lighthouse in Whistler. Or not in Whistler. In uh, Victoria on mm. Vancouver Island. Ooh. Um, and there was, like, a cool, like, spooky thing behind that. But I don't think that ever exists. I think my, my cousin made that up to me when I was, like, eight. It's well, okay. lighthouses are, like, inherently spooky. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah. So this, is, uh, the St. Augustine Lighthouse is in the city of St. Augustine, Florida, which is in the northeastern part of Florida, but on the coast, of course, because it's a lighthouse. St. Augustine was founded in 1565 by Spanish explorers. Oh, put put one of your history pasties Mm. on because this is just, it's light history. We're doing history Mm. light today. Okay. You know, it's okay. We're just doing history light. I'm like putting on a history shirt. Yeah, it'll it'll be over. It'll be over in like five, maybe eight minutes at the most. (laughs) So, Timers start, everybody. <laughs> Eight minutes. 20 minutes later. Go. Yeah. <laughs> Put on your history. And I'm like, and that's how the Mormon cult was founded in St. Augustine Lighthouse. <laughs> and that's how Wilfred Woodruff got scattered on at this lighthouse. <laughs> at the lighthouse. <laughs> oh, okay. So this city, St. Augustine, was founded in 1565 by Spanish explorers. And it is the oldest continuously inhabited European settlement in the united states so that's just so that's spooky just like this is the old basically to sum it up this is the oldest uh continuously inhabited city that was settled in the united states it was settled by spanish explorers so there's a lot of history because this is also the oldest port in the u.s yeah it's haunted as fuck it's haunted as fuck (laughs) (laughs) long story short it's haunted yeah so this is just the light i'm just talking about the lighthouse as of like there are like four other main spots in this town that are like crazy haunted we should visit this town yeah it'd be pretty yeah and it's florida so it's like cool yeah it'd be you know florida's cool to visit it's it's cool to read about (laughs) certain spots yeah depending where we're talking disney world disney world (laughs) harry potter Potter world World. (laughs) Um, florida keys miami yeah gay clubs gay clubs in miami (laughs) (laughs) okay so let's go into the history say augustine was the site of the first lighthouse established in florida by the new territorial american government in 1824 so like when the you know this uh, lighthouse that we're talking about was established in 1824 However, according to some archival footage and maps, this American lighthouse was built on top of an earlier watchtower that, through some records, is sort of built as early as 1589. So there was basically a Spanish watchtower or, like, mock wooden lighthouse in Mm. this spot, and then they built the lighthouse in 1824 on top of it. The first lighthouse, this first lighthouse that we're talking about, is considered, considered to be the old tower, and due to like corrosion and just the shoreline moving inward slowly, slowly over time, they were like, oh, this shit's going to fall over. And by 1880, the tower crumbled into the sea and the ruins of the old tower rest in the waters below the current lighthouse that Ooh, I'm about to talk about. Fun. And then it's actually considered a archaeological site. Ooh, 
So now we're talking about the real tower. So in um, the people of St. Augustine, this was going to happen. And from 1871 to 1874, they began to build the lighthouse that stands today, like right next, or it's like near in the same little complex of the, that where the old tower is built. That is a long time for lighthouse construction. Yeah, three How three long years. does it really take to build but a lighthouse? it's 1871. It's a pretty big lighthouse. You okay, can that's look up true. pictures of it. It's, it's not it's like 2020. Big. Well, like in Utah, the construction takes just oh as long. Oh my God, it takes longer. This lighthouse would take eight years. Yeah. Oh like, my God. <laughs> so never mind. I'm impressed mind. 1800s <laughs> folk that you were able to build this lighthouse Yeah, in three, in three years. years. Um, it was lit for the first time in October of 1874 by keeper William Russell, who was the first lighthouse keeper in the new tower and the only keeper to have worked at both towers. Ooh, so he did cool. the old one and the new one. Cute. Um, cute. I think I, assu- I would assume from the time that it was built until 1880 when the old tower um, crumbled, he sort of kept after two or maybe they just completely ignored the new, the old one when the new one was They're built. Like, that would make some sense. Yeah. <laughs> Like, peace, bitch, you're going to fall in the ocean. Which sad, is sad. So for 20 years, the site was uh, manned by um, another guy by the name of William A. Harn of Philadelphia. Um, he basically was a Union hero, uh, Union war hero, who commanded his own battery at the Battle of Gettysburg. I just mm. put that in because it's like a little fun little tidbit of history. Um, during World War II, the Coast Guard men and women trained in St. Augustine and used the lighthouse as a lookout post for enemy ships and submarines. Uh, which would be seen off the coastline frequently. Um, then in 1907, um, like indoor plumbing came, then electricity came into the to the lighthouse by 1925. Um, and I'm saying this because by 1936, the whole complex was electrified and it was self-automated by 1955. So this made mm. it like the multiple uh, keepers go from three down to one person. And then by the 1960s, nobody even lived in the, in yeah. the how the light key or like the house that's right by the lighthouse, you know? Yeah. Um, so nobody even lived in the complex by 1960s. Sometimes they would rent it out for like local residents or even like people that would come visit and pay money to live there. Um, but basically since 1960, people haven't really lived there. Except the demons. Except the goddamn demons, which we will get back into. Except the motherfucking demons <laughs> that still current mood live there. There's a dude, uh, St. John's uh, County bought it in 1970 to sort of keep it up. Um, but it uh, also when they did that, that same year that they bought it, uh, the house, the house of the lighthouse uh, was uh, set aflame by some arsonist. And they to Ooh. this day have no idea like who set it on fire Ooh. Ooh, or what. Ooh. Ooh. So and then <laughs> in 1980, this is a fun, you know, Women's History Month. Um, then in 1980, a small group of 15 women in the Junior Service League of St. Augustine signed a 99-year lease with the county uh, to basically become the keepers of the lighthouse. And over the next two Witches. decades, or three decades, themselves, like this, their little 15 group of women, just do this massive restoration project. Um, I mean, they obviously, like, buy, you know, get people to come in and, like, renovate some stuff. But they also, re- they, like, renovated the grounds all themselves. What's that? Did oh, those that were just what? The whole fort just like moved a little. Yeah, bit. it's it's moving. What in the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> cool. And let's get into the fun spooky shit. Yes. So take rip your history pastry out. <laughs> <laughs> so the death of the three girls. Ooh, ghost pasties, everybody. Ooh, ghost pasties, <laughs> ghost ghost panties. So a man named Hezekiah H. P. P. Day. Yeah. P. T. A. Pate. Patisserary. Patisserary chicken. Oversaw. <laughs> Patisserary chicken. <laughs> he oversaw the work of the lighthouse mm. uh, from 71, 1871 to 1874. 
as he did this, um, he had he had children, he had a family, but they would still be on you know site as things were going on, which is a bad thing. He had allowed his uh, two, or he had four children, but the two oldest girls he would allow to play around. The other ones, I think, were too little to be around, so he was like, get the fuck off. Um, but he would allow the two older girls to play around with the stuff when people weren't using it just so they could just be occupied and stuff. Rut row. So on July 10th of 1873, Hezekiah would regret this yeah. decision. Me too, Hezekiah. <laughs> After a day of play or during a day of play, the two eldest petite children, Eliza and Mary, drowned as they were playing in a cart that would move um, supplies up and down the whole complex. Jesus. This cart got too out of control, fell off of the racks, and then just went tumbling. Like, think of like a mine mining cart. Uh-huh. Just went off the tracks that it was on to move stuff from place to place in the complex, went off the tracks rolled down the grounds over a cliff and they couldn't <gasps> jump out in time so they just went over the cliff so however there were um there are a few accounts that also say that there was an african-american child um who they say is age 10 but i never got a name um and that the newspapers did not mention her because it's fucking 1800s and people are horrible um, and i don't know the the correct accounts of this but some are like three girls died two girls died and the one who say three always said there was an African American girl. So that probably was with is them. three then. Yeah, um, I did. I don't have a name for her though. Yeah. So I just who, who knows. That's fucking sad. Yeah. So all three of them went over. Um, what a horrible way to yeah, die. Yeah. Yeah. What a horrible way. And they just drowned because they, you know their children. I think the oldest one was like around ten. I think. If I they weren't like killed on impact, or they like got hurt and then they drowned. Oh. Yeah. yeah. What a nightmare. So according to the lighthouse workers, Ooh. ever since then, the mischievous, spir- mischievous spirits of these children still haunt the lighthouse today. So staff members say that they uh, will lock the door at the top of the tower each night before they leave. But when they come in the morning, the door is often found open when they arrive for work. Spooky. Um, so they'll close it and lock it, but it's open. Uh, they also hear sounds of children laughter that can be heard in the stairwell, the main winding stairwell Fuck of the that. Oops, sorry, of the lighthouse. Music boxes that are also sold in the gift shop inexplicably will pop open and start playing. Um, The lighthouse staff also reports that chairs have been moved or overturned and that other various items have also gone missing in the gift shop and then they'll reappear later. Ooh, that's fun. That's fun. Tour guides also report incidents of being touched or grabbed. Um, This is not just by children. This also goes into just other things of just people just being touched or grabbed on their ankle or tripped or pushed a little bit. And Bitch, stuff if someone like that. grabbed my ankles, yeah, fuck I'd be that. like, what the fuck? fuck I would, I would curb stomp the shit out of that ghost. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> fuck you, ghost. My ghetto side would come out. <laughs> <laughs> like, bitch. <laughs> It's like from a scary movie. <laughs> can't be a little ugly bitch. Yeah, can't be a little ugly bitch. <laughs> oh my god, I love her so Cindy! much. Cindy, I just want this like bitch coming out of your TV. <laughs> I want oh, and, like we need her to come back and just do a scary movie where she's the like main. Totally, actor. she's so fucking hilarious. I fucking love her. Uh, I need to see what else she's been in. Like if if she stopped acting after that or not, because she's fucking hilarious. It just so like. Any time of day, you could read me a line from that scene. I'll just start laughing. I know. It's so, so funny. funny. It's so damn funny. <laughs> um, today's uh, the girls can also be heard laughing at the top of the tower, um, as well as in the stairwell that I said, um, but only at night. Um, others have spotted um, El- Eliza, just the oldest. She's the oldest girl uh, floating around the ground grounds wearing the same uh, blue dress that she died in. Others have also reported 
hearing the screams and cries of the girls echo about the cliffs as the waves crash about on the cliffs at night. Oh my God. Um, one, one, one place, I don't think this is true, but one um, article did say that. It's true. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, they reported seeing the bodies of three <gasps> girls floating down, face down in the water, holding hands. <gasps> Ooh, Isn't that crazy? Spooky. That's spooky. That's spooky as fuck. What the? F- that should be a movie. <laughs> just right there. That should be like a trailer to a movie. Right. I'll see it. Um, uh, also, this might be related. It might not be. I just put this in in because it's sort of pertaining to them. But it's related. It, it, it might be related. Visitors at Lighthouse report catching glimpses of a young girl dressed in the period of the time um, clothing uh, as she's standing at the lighthouse door up top near the, the near the light. There are reports of people getting pictures. Of this, um, and I saw one. I don't know. Like, who knows? Mm-hmm. It's just a picture. It's really not that great. But people report seeing a girl um, in period clothing up on the lighthouse just looking out into the sea. And it might be related to these girls. It might not. Who knows? Fun. So let's get on to the lighthouse keepers. So. They all go crazy. They all go crazy. No. So we have two main lighthouse creepers that we're going to. Uh, creepers. <laughs> keepers. <laughs> that we're going to talk about. One is Peter uh, Resmussen. Um, Rasputin. And then the other one is Joseph Andrew. Okay, so Peter Rasputin. And then he was Joseph known... Andrew, the whitest name on this planet. <laughs> but it's A N D R E U. Andre. Oh, okay. He's French. Andre. <laughs> I don't know. Joseph Andre. 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 I feel like you fucking. He's douchebag. just the whitest piece of white in like a French sailor shirt. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm foray. Yeah. I want to beat the shit out of Joseph. He's Andrew. like, I'm not white. We're like, you're white. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, bitch, you go with Andrew. What's next? Avocado toast, Andrew. <laughs> he probably loves brunch. Me too. Mm-hmm. So Peter Rasmussen, Resmu- Resmu- whatever, Rasmussen or whatever, he is known for his, or the spirit of him, is known for his cigar smoke. He used to smoke a lot in his real life. Ooh, fun. And so people will report like smelling cigar smoke all around the grounds at different points. Also, Peter's wife died while they were living at the White Lighthouse. And... So that is why people believe that Peter is still here. Nobody ever sees the wife, mm-hmm. um, but people pe- people say that Peter's spirit has stayed because he's looking for his wife because oh. she died here. And this oh. is really sad and sweet. Oh man! Then there's That's Joseph Andra. 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 So Joseph's uh, he was also another lighthouse keeper, and it I think it's suspected that he was a lighthouse keeper before other dude was. Okay. Um. He is only seen at the top of the lighthouse. Um, at the same time, he'll be seen at the top of the lighthouse or in, in the stairs of the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. And I'll get to this in a second. He also fell to his death or while he was painting the outside of the tower. And that's why people say that his spirit just stays in the lighthouse tower. I was just about to say, did he fall to his death or something? Yeah, That uh-huh. is fun. So <laughs> some say while touring the lighthouse keeper's quarters, they feel cold and that a figure of... Oh, sorry. Now, that's Peter and Joseph, and what I'm going to get into next are just basically things that are talked about about a more sinister or evil Ooh, dark spirit yes. on the grounds of the St. Augustine Lighthouse. Oof. People believe that it is Peter. Some people say that it's Joseph. Other people say that it's just a evil spirit that mm. is unconnected or a demonic spirit or whatever. Valid. But there really isn't any correlation between any of these articles, so that's why I introduced you to Peter and Joseph first. So some say that while touring, touring the lighthouse keeper's quarters, they feel cold and that a figure of a tall man has appeared before them and then disappeared. 
People say that they will glimpse shadowy figures in the tower. Oh, hell no. Um, they've seen a hand coming through the tower door. Ew! And then also furniture moving around by itself. There's one particular lighthouse keeper who I didn't really care to get his name. He's just a lighthouse, or not a lighthouse keeper, or one of the keepers of the museum that it oh. is more now. It's a museum. Um, this is an actual, like, quote of what they said. They said, I've had a few arm hairs plucked off me in the basement of the keeper's house. A basement? Yeah, right. <laughs> Rather recently, I had my ankle grabbed. That was pretty amusing since it was the middle of my tour, so it looked like I just randomly tripped over air. So, unfortunately, there are other... Or, sorry, blah, 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 blah. So, aside from these shadowy figures and also the tall man appearing before people, I think this is the same person. Is There is a man or there is a figure that people have come to know as the man in blue. Oh, Lord. This specter has terrified many who have worked, at, worked and lived at the lighthouse. It is uh, reported uh, multiple times has reportedly followed people down the 219 stairs that are inside. That's like the stairs, you know, uh-huh. the spiral staircase inside of the lighthouse. Yeah. Um, but like workers will report at night after closing up and locking the upstairs door that they'll like walk down the stairs and then they'll hear like footsteps behind them. And then like <laughs> once they notice what's going on, this, the foot, the footsteps will pick up pace <gasps> and start to run, like chase <gasps> them down the stairs. What? Isn't that fucking terrifying? Hey, you know how we did that hike in Hawaii and we had to go up those like rusty ass stairs? Yeah, it's literally, yeah, literally just like that. Like if you were by yourself alone at night and you just locked up and then you like walk down like 20 steps and then you hear. (laughs) Oh, fuck you. And then like the second that you visibly like show that you realize what's going on, it starts to like, like pick up pace. I'm like, fuck you. The name of Jesus Christ apart. So, really, um, Jay, really, there have been reports of multiple light, not lighthouse keepers, but um, or lighthouse keepers and workers over the years um, that have switched with other people who don't believe in the legends surrounding this lighthouse. And then they believe in the legends. Uh, and then, yeah, and then they believe in the legends and they get scared, scared as well because they'll like switch night duties and stuff like that. Or like, I'm not going to I'm going to go lock up the house. You're going to lock up the fucking tower. because oh, I'm not doing that shit like that. Fuck that tower. I want to go. <laughs> So many believe that the man in blue is the restless spirit of Joseph Andrew. Andrew. Okay, so jo- remember Joseph Andrew is the second guy I talked about. He's the one that fell while he was painting the outside of the lighthouse. Yeah. So others claim that it is in fact Peter. And Peter is the one where his wife died because they, you know, a lot of the cigar smelling comes when you're in the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. And then again, other people just think it's just another evil spirit that maybe has died in this place. St. Augustine, again, is a town that is, you know, the oldest town in the U.S. Um, so, or a settlement in the U.S. So people think it's just another spirit that has like attached itself to this place. Spooky. Who fucking knows? I'm not going to figure that out. I believe it's a demon. <laughs> so currently today, um, again, it is a museum. It is also a archaeological site. They also use they use it as a point of like not point of entry, but I mean like a point like a base for uh, nautical sea like dives to go one look at the ruins, but also recover sunken ships. Wow, uh, stuff like that. That's yeah, cool. it's like this big. They, yeah, they, the, those women like really renovated the place since the '80s and like pushed for it to become like an important. Uh, landmark that's cool yeah for society yeah and history and stuff society. like that society society <laughs> so yeah uh, currently you can go and you can do ghost tours during the day but you can also go do 
in the dark of the moon ghost Obviously, tours. Obviously, we're doing that one. Yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> we're doing it. I love that title, In the Dark of the Moon. Yeah. That's so cool. That sounds like my pussy. Yeah. Like, I fucking <laughs> want that to be, like, the subtitle to my life. Yeah. In the Dark of the <laughs> in Moon. In the Dark of the Moon. You write George it. Martin, In the Dark of the Moon. <laughs> George Martin. <laughs> yeah. So, that's that's the fucking lighthouse. Hell yeah. St. Augustine. Okay, you ready to get sad? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take the mood down um, to zero. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just start low. <laughs> Let's Shit. just start as low as you can possibly Oh, wait, go. yeah, disclaimer. Uh, I'm going to get to the disclaimer oh, you will? at the okay. appropriate part. So don't worry. The rest is just regular cult stuff. Okay. January 7th, 2005. Got it. Tucson, Arizona. Ricky Rodriguez sat at his dining room table, which was covered in guns, knives, and a taser, and filmed himself talking about his life, the trauma, and what it was leading him to do. He mailed the video to a friend. Two days later, Ricky stabbed his former nanny to death and slit her throat. He then drove to Blythe, California, checked into a motel, drove a quarter of the mile down the road, and then killed himself. In the video, which was released to the public days after the murder-suicide, Ricky said, in quotes, there's this need that I have. It's not a want. It's a need for revenge. It's a need for justice because I can't go on like this. Yes. So what led Ricky Rodriguez to this murder-suicide? What what fueled his need for revenge? Well, it was the Children of God cult. Yeah. Cue the music. Oh, Everyone's like, what are they trying to say? <laughs> it's a go outside my cold. I, I I put it in last episode. I'm gonna reference it every episode because okay. it, it gives you. I'll put it in every episode. It's a good mood. It is, yeah, it's nice. I when I listen to it, I I only listen to it in the summer. So when I listen to it to put it in, I was like, God damn it! <laughs> I listen to it every day. I'm so done, y'all. I just <laughs> want to like somebody just put me in a coma for the next five weeks. You got it. I like punch you in the face yeah, right now. I'm so done with damn. it being cold. So let's take this all the way back to the motherfucking beginning, way back um, before the children of God was even born. Let's go back to when the leader of the cult was born. His name, David Berg. Uh So David Berg was born on February 18th, 1919 in Oakland, California. He was the youngest of three kids. He was born into an extremely religious household. Both parents are pastors. His grandparents are pastored. His grandparents' parents are pastored. His grandparents' parents are pastored. It's like, you know, it just goes so far back where everyone in his family is like a super pastor, pretty much. His family's pasteurized. Oh. (laughs) His mother, in particular, was a strong influence in his life. Um, She was a very powerful pastor. Um, her signature sermon was about the miracle of God bringing her back from the dead when she was a teenager. Um, you know, she was charismatic. She was passionate. And David Berg, like, truly believed that his mom was, like, a saint, was, like, an angel from heaven. Really? Um, now, the family, they traveled around all around the U.S. Um, pursuing their evangelical mission with the fiery passion. In 1924, they settled in Miami. They spent about... Motorcycles. Oh, wow. Ooh. What a big dick I'm behind me. On. I'm wet. I'm so wet. In 1924, they settled in Miami, and they spent the next 14 years there. Um, During this time, David, as most young adults do, discovered masturbation. His very first time masturbating, his mom caught him in the act (gasps) and then forced him to finish in front of his father. What the fuck? (laughs) This obviously (laughs) fucked him up. (laughs) Lana's like, 
blue jeans, <laughs> white shirt. You made me finish in front of my father. <laughs> Masturbation's confusing. Sex is really abusing. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> this obviously fucked him up. Uh, he and this is what started his like main conflict throughout his entire life. Um, sex, like he loved sex. He loved the feeling of sex, but the church treated sex for pleasure as a sin. He, his whole mentality is, you know, why could something that feels so good be so wrong? So like what? So like sidebar, can we go on a sidebar really yeah. quick? Even, you know, because like your, your section, down on page yeah, one. Your, your section like, <laughs> isn't that long. It's not long at all. <laughs> go for it, Corey. So like for you, for you, like your personal experience with the, with the Mormon church, Ooh, I'm putting the iPad would you down. see, would you see like, was your experience, would you say that they viewed sexual experience or sexual or getting pleasure out of sex, would you say that that is, was also viewed as like negative in the church? Sex was supposed to be for making babies. Yeah. That is what I was always told. Young women's is very different from young men's because young men's, you guys talked about masturbation and stuff. Yeah. We never, ever, 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 ever talked about masturbation. Really? We would talk about how we were responsible to make sure the boys wouldn't masturbate. And we what were responsible to make sure that you guys had clean thoughts. And if you guys didn't no, have clean no, thoughts. No, wait. I, I don't believe you. No, this did, is true. Did you? Did somebody really say that to you? They said, like, all this shit all growing up. You know, it was our responsibility to make sure that you guys had clean thoughts. And so, like, growing up, they never talked about us masturbating because we weren't – that was not – we were not supposed to masturbate. We're women. That's not like, what Like, that's we not do. even on the table. It's not on the table. That's not even in the same fucking room. You just need to be the most perfect wife so that – yeah. The guy would never even think to masturbate. Yeah, because that's yeah, like sex was I I never like growing up as a woman in the church, like sex and pleasure were never in the same senses. Masturbating they were not. was never in the sentence like that. You had sex to make babies. Yeah. That's it. Like oh, that's I, your role. I had like pretty pragmatic leaders so it, where it was like, yeah, like sex is a part of your relationship with your wife yeah so like yeah you're gonna have some fun but like you need to keep it still respectful yeah yeah no that never happened (laughs) oh yeah and if we ever talked like literally i think like the most salacious thing i talked about with uh like with somebody who was older than i was when i was a young man was like we were like hey like what about oral sex and he was like oh yeah like it just depends on you and your wife like i don't think the the 12 care but if it's just to depend you and your wife. Yeah, and it no, was that like, never The happened. fact that like a, a young man president was like, oh yeah, like we give each other fellatio. That like, is that fellatio? Is that just with a penis? I for, I don't know. But he was like, yeah. Fellatio is with a penis. Oh, yeah, and cunnilingus, cunnilingus is yeah. with the vagina. So it was like, yeah, we do oral sex on each other because like that's a part of a relationship and it's fun. And that was like the most salacious thing I've ever heard yeah, in my no, life. That would not <laughs> even be like hinted at. <laughs> and young women's. And I was like, what about with men? And everyone's like, what? And I'm like, you fucking faggot. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, young women's was very pure because we it was our responsibility to be um, as pure and like heavenly mother as possible. Okay, yeah. Like, it, and, you know, if you guys masturbated, you know, it was our fault. If you guys raped us, it was our fault. Like shit like that. Jesus. You know, like it, it was on us. It was super fun. <laughs> it was so fun. <laughs> it's like crazy how normal I am. <laughs> <laughs> okay, in the 30s, going back to this jump cut to you like getting spanked with the book of Mormon. Yeah, literally jump cut to me being like, "Yeah, put on the garments, Elder Bartholomew." <laughs> oh Tell God. me about it, Bishop. In the 30s, <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> going back to my idea i like watched so many documentaries i wrote a lot of this stuff like how they how they like narrate documentaries so i'm just gonna warn you because okay. you know they're like in the 1940s something crazy happened oh, yeah. <laughs> so in the 1930s the family went on the road again david followed uh, he was acting as his mom's assistant and the song leader for their little like traveling pastor group in the 40s um, David became a minister in the Christian and, Min- and Missionary Alliance, and he was placed at Valley Farms, Arizona. Um, he was eventually expelled from the organization for differences in teachings and for alleged sexual misconduct with a church employee. Oh, shit. Oh. On July 22nd, 1944. This is so long ago, like, my grandparents weren't even alive yet. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so crazy. So... July 22nd, 1944, he married this girl, Jane Miller. She was later known as Mother Eve when the Children of God was, like, kicking it. Okay. Uh, And together they had four kids. These four kids, first one was Linda. She was known as Deborah in the Children of God. Next one was Paul. His name was Aaron in the Children of God. Paul actually ended up killing himself when he was in his 20s in the Children of God because of the cult. Whoa. Um, Jonathan Emmanuel is the next kid. Um, he went by Hosea in the Children of God. And then their last daughter was Faith. She was known as Faithy, and she was definitely the most prominent member. They're like Faith and not spiritual enough. Yeah. Faithy. 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 <laughs> she was definitely the most prominent member of the church and is still a member to this day. Whoa. Um, now, over the next two decades, um, so we're spanning across a lot of time by, real, real fast. By, by 40s, by 50s. Um, over the next two decades, David does everything he can to become a powerful preacher, just like his mother, but he failed. You know, he traveled around with his family, trying to go to church after church after church and just could never succeed. He just wasn't a good enough pastor. He was constantly failing in his eyes. Um, during this time, he told his wife that the Bible says a man should have two wives and he wanted to get another one. She was like, no, <laughs> you're not doing that. And he was like. She's like, so I heard about this cult called the Mormons. And yeah. like, that didn't really work out He's for like, them. I'm super into Joseph Smith. Yeah. But she was like, no, you're not doing that. And he was like, sure, Jan, I'm going to go travel and be a preach. Then he like fucked all these women while he was traveling around the country being like a preacher. She knew that this was happening. She's like, okay, like, I'm not fucking dumb, you asshole. But yeah. she just kind of, like, accepted it because it was, you know, the 60s. Like, there wasn't really anything She didn't really have many other options. Do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, David, like, he loved sex and he loved women. And he was charismatic, charming, handsome. Like, it wasn't hard for him to find women to have sex with. And especially when they're like, oh, this really cool preacher guy wants to fuck me. Like, it was easy. It was yeah. easy for him. And that's like the the ongoing theme. This is a side note with every cult I talk about is the leaders like they're so charismatic. They're usually handsome. They're charming. Like there's someone that everyone's drawn to. It's not like they're weird motherfuckers on the street being like, praise Jesus. Like they're people that you want to talk to people that are interested in talking to and people that when you are talking to them, like they have you have their full attention. So he was just like the other cult leaders, just like Jim Jones and. The one from last week. <laughs> that terrible one from last Jesus week. Jesus Christ. By the time he was 50, he and his family were living in Huntington Beach, California. Um, and he still couldn't succeed as a preacher. Um, he had his four kids form the Teenagers for Christ singing group. And he had them singing Christian songs. <laughs> Losers. On the beach <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Me in the background. Gay. <laughs> <laughs> He just, like, ridiculed the fuck out of these kids. Uh, Okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> so he had his four <laughs> loser kids <laughs> become a Christian singing band. If, if you haven't caught on by now, y'all, we use that that meme from Community with the Asian Spanish teacher. <laughs> gay. <laughs> Where he goes, hot gay. We just think that's one of the best memes ever. <laughs> uh, this is going to be so hard to get through. We're not even through the first page. Or no, are you kidding me? Oh, my God. Yeah, we're not through the first page. Corey. I just laughed at your Youth for Christ singing group. Teenagers for Christ. So this was this was David Berg's, like, last-ditch effort. Like, he moved his family to Huntington Beach. He made his kids form the Teenagers of Christ. He was like, you know what? If I can't succeed here using my teenagers as, like, pawns in my game of becoming a cool church, like, I can't make it anywhere. This is, like, my last-ditch effort. So his kids, a.k.a. the Teenagers for Christ, they would sing, you know, Christian songs on, like, the Huntington Beach Pier and shit. Oh they would, God. like, proselytize in the, in the streets. Um, they would go to this cool Christian kids local hangout spot called The Light. Ooh. Um, and, you know, they would preach there all with, like, David Berg always shadowing them and stuff. Um, then David Berg's mom passed away. Oh. This affected David deeply. And this drove him to pretty much completely change his approach of preaching. Because his life has been trying to be her. Yeah. And now she's gone. And so it, like, was a huge disconnect for him. So now he was like, I don't really even know what to do next. So he just went 180 pretty much and tried something different. So he dressed up like the local surfer hippie kids. And he put on some dark sunglasses, put on a floral shirt, and he walked into the cool Christians club hangout spot and started preaching. And then suddenly all the teenagers and young adults just started listening. This is the 60s. This is the summer of love. This is 1968. This is specifically the summer of love. So, and, like, he was dressing the part. He was talking the part. They were singing these these fun, happy songs. People were listening. His daughter, Faith, and some of the new followers um, started proselytizing in the streets through, you know, song, dance, spreading love, specifically to the hippies. David preached that what they were doing is what true Christians should do, go into the world and preach the gospel to everyone. Instead of being stuck in a restrictive environment, like a uh, religion with multiple tons of crazy rules, you know, go sing in the street, interact with everybody, show them happiness through the Lord. I'm it was, scared. <laughs> it was like nothing anyone has seen before. Um, you know, the hippie counterculture and Christianity, they made a baby and hundreds of people started joining. Within months, um, he had 90 loyal disciples. Um, they went and they proselytized everywhere. They went to protests, sit-ins, concerts, sidewalks, the beaches, malls, you kind of name it. Anywhere there were young adults who needed a place to call home, they went to and they spoke to. And it was working. Kids were finding Jesus. And most importantly, they were finding a community filled with love, peace, and true happiness. It was the dream of the 60s. As they grew, they became the children of God, and they decided to take their preaching on the road. They all gave up their jobs, schools, and families, etc., to follow David to the promised mm. land, which is a classic sign of a cult is when they start giving up shit. Yeah. Everyone got into their Volkswagen buses and bugs, and they took off across the country as the children of God. For months, they traveled around, stopping in major cities and counties to proselytize. With each stop, their followers grew and grew and grew and their love for David just became stronger and stronger. You know, he brought them all into their loving family and he was taking them to the promised land. And at that point, everything was pure. Like there was no alcohol, like no drugs, no smoking, you know, sex out of marriage. 
like all of these teenagers and young adults who wanted a better life and craved some sort of stability and structure without feeling restricted by the man or society like they fell in love with this because this was like the okay. counterculture christianity in yeah a way. Okay, okay they fell in love with the lifestyle david was also saving like at-risk youth because he they would come across all these kids who were pretty much at that point in their life where they could go either way they could yeah. go down the path of drug abuse and, of righteousness I'll or they can go down, down the path, path of righteousness rocks. and david <laughs> you know would stop them from going down the path of drug abuse and alcoholism and save them so all these people viewed as david as like this hero mm. he was becoming something bigger than human he was saving them He was becoming something like a god so much so that they all started referring to him as Moses, what a.k.a. Mo. I'm out. That's like the second that I'm like, I'm out. Yeah, everyone's like, dad. And, and then they started calling him dad. No. no. <laughs> Daddy. Depending on how hot he is, I'm back in. <laughs> you know, he's not as hot as everyone makes him out to be, but maybe in person he's better looking. He could be like a... If it was like Jake Gyllenhaal, I'm like, I'm back in. Yeah, <laughs> I was Bra- never out. Bradley Cooper, he's like, come little children, I'll take the away. Or not as a child, but like me. <laughs> Come little Cory. <laughs> I'm like I'm it. I'm the only wife. I'm the only one who's allowed to be his wife. <laughs> I'm wife one through six. <laughs> At this point, like most cults, uh, David started talking about the end of times, oh God. which is the natural progression of Christian cults. Um, and he had his followers go out and preach in sackcloth and sackcloths, so like potato cloths. Are you kidding? Covered me? in ash. What you can look at these fuck? pictures; they're really crazy. Um, they would put on these like huge demonstrations that were starting to gain media attention, which of course started worrying the parents of the kids who suddenly took off with this cult. Oh, makes sense. Um, the children of God, you know, continued preaching their happy songs and or their doomsday demonstrations across the country for months and months and months. And eventually they landed in Texas where they found their promised land. They ended up at a ranch called the Texas soul clinic. It was finally a home for them. Um, David continued to talk about the end of times and how they could and how they should use their new home to prepare for the apocalypse. And they use any free time that they have to study the Bible and prepare for the quote unquote revolution of Jesus. So it was like a missionary super camp pretty much. But as the end of times date passed without the world ending, you know, he would set a new date. That date would pass without the world ending, you know, classic doomsday cults. But at this point, his followers didn't care anymore because their life has improved so much with being in the children of God that it didn't matter that the end of the world didn't happen. They had Jesus and love in their hearts and they finally felt whole. They had a community. So fuck his, you know, the end of the world didn't happen, but whatever. (laughs) He was 1000% wrong four times in a row, but but, whatever. But yellow. Up until this point, David was the leader of a fundamentalist Christian group. You know, he spearheaded a new wave of Christianity that the world hasn't seen before. It was pure and it was positive at first. Okay. One day during a Bible study sesh, um, the teacher, so everyone was like in the courtyard, you know, like hallelujah, praise Jesus. And they were just reading through the Bible, like verse by verse every single day from like cover to cover. Um, the, that the teacher so goddamn boring. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, so goddamn they're, boring. <laughs> so they're reading through Ezekiel, you know, oh Ezekiel bread, God. doing their thing. Ezekiel bread, and chapter they, four. <laughs> and they got to Ezekiel, <laughs> Ezekiel bread, chapter 34. You're close. And then they turned to passage 23. And this says, I will place over them one shepherd, 
my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. And as soon as they read this passage out loud, every single member of the children of God just got up, started screaming in tongues, singing, praising Lord, just thanking them that they found their servant David. I just had an idea that would be like so disturbing in a horror movie. Yeah, I know this cult, this that you should make a movie out of. I don't want to do this cult, but I would like make up my own. Like that's disturbing. Yeah. They just say like your leader's name and everyone's like, oh, thank you, God. Ah! <laughs> like yeah. shit like that. <laughs> everyone starts doing SpongeBob cuss words. <laughs> <laughs> that's the fucking cult I would join. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, scratch that. I'm in that cult. Right. Yeah, scratch that. Shortly after, David released a letter to everybody in the Children of God. He very much said he was overwhelmed by the thought that they thought, by the thought that they thought, blah, blah, blah. By the thought that all of his followers believed that he was the David referenced in Ezekiel 34:23, And he said, you know, as he was thinking over this and as he was really overwhelmed, the Lord came to him and he said, David, why do you deny your name? And David said, what do you mean, Lord? And the Lord said to David, you are who I am referring to in Ezekiel 34. No. And David released that, that letter and suddenly he went oh from God. becoming like a god to a biblical prophet in one letter. Fuck. Hundreds of people ate that shit up, motherfucker. His followers' loyalty became unquestioned after that. This biblical prophet that led them from the darkness of a sinful world into the warm, loving light of Jesus, you know, they would do anything for him. They believed anything, he said. Because at this point, David was speaking with the authority of God. How many, how many, about how many people are in this cult now? A couple hundred at this point. I don't have the numbers because I jumped through a lot of time. A couple hundred at this point. Because also, it's it's kind of hard to tell with these numbers right now because they just proselytized across the entire U.S. in the past year. And they started at 90. So my guess is at least 200 people. So Chana, did David, like realizing the power that he had over these 200 people, like, did that make him like stay like a stalwart, really like trustworthy, good person, or you did it like completely corrupt him? You know, believe it or not, it completely <laughs> corrupted him. <laughs> I know that's pretty unheard of. No way. But yeah. No way. Like uh, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> but he gro- <laughs> it, it, he it gets crazy. This is like the I've never heard this before. It only gets crazier from here. <laughs> this is actually the only one and only cult that exists in the world. Every other cult that does not exist is a lie. Is <laughs> a is a lie. <laughs> Made up by the man. <laughs> yeah, made it by society. By secular society, <laughs> Seth. <laughs> okay, are you ready? Yep. Put, put on your... Put well, on no, your... I don't have any more alcohol. Go get more alcohol. Do you want more alcohol? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. It's only going to get darker. <laughs> enter two shots of vodka. Yeah, enter... Two shots of vodka. Okay, we are now we're back. We like got our champagne. Yeah. And we're ready. We're ready. It's only gonna get crazier from here. So mm-hmm. just like here we are. One day, you know, David, he was having a threesome with a couple girls and a couple of, you know, of his wives or his followers or whatever, and he had such an intense orgasm that he actually started speaking in tongues and he had a vision of God. Oh during- my god, I thought can I I'm interrupting already. Yeah, do I it. I thought this yesterday while I was watching porn and this guy <laughs> this guy like was like <laughs> and like just like but everybody else in the orgy was like really like 
you know, just like normal. <laughs> he was like, and I was just thinking, I was like, if I was the bottom and this guy's dick was in my butt and he just got like so into it, I would probably start laughing. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so right now I'm one of these women just like, what the fuck? Yeah, if he was like, I'd be like, bitch. Yeah, you're like, what the fuck? I'd be like, my pussy's bomb. <laughs> so the pussy do bomb. He starts speaking in tongues and he had a vision from God. While having an orgasm. The vision from God was about free love. After this, I'll get into it in a minute. So after this, David called every single one of his followers for an announcement. They all a few hundred of them. Yeah. They all gathered around, you know, his little home in their little Texas, Texas ranch sanctuary thing. And he walked out and he was just covered in chains and he looked at everyone and he said, this is what marriage does to you. And then he threw off the chains and went, ah, but this is what Jesus wants to do for you. And everyone went, yeah, 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 praise Jesus, hallelujah. He's going to free us. Ah, ah, ah. And that's when he introduced the concept of free love. So basically, free love is when anything done in love is pure. And the ultimate way of feeling God's love is physically showing love, a.k.a. sex and orgasms. He said that marriage and monogamy didn't allow them to feel God's love. So, that, so they should all spread the love with each other as long as if it's done in true love. Oh my God. If you truly love your husband or wife, you should let them feel all of God's love by sleeping with other people. Basically, as long as something was done with true love as like the intent, it was good by God's standard. After this, he started producing his own doctrine, which was called the Law of Love, which you can go ahead and read right now. Yes. Yeah. And it was basically letters and illustrations of the children of God's beliefs. Um, just to warn you, they are extremely graphic. Warning. Warning. Woobity woobity warning. Woobity woobity warning, <laughs> NC-17. Now, he encouraged people to masturbate daily, share sexual partners, never use protection, etc. If people masturbated, they should think of Jesus fucking them. However, <laughs> however, important men were not allowed to have sex with other men so if you were a man masturbating you should pretend that you're a woman so jesus could you could fuck you but girls can fuck girls though i'm out but men can't fuck men fuck off children of god I'm yeah out. as word of the law of love got around you know the parents of the kids that were already concerned before were now even more like what the fuck is going on so they went all can i speak to your manager on on david's ass and uh, they called the police and when david heard about them getting really upset he dipped he ran away to england with a couple of his wives and what the fuck? a couple of top followers he left like all of them behind so the members of the children of god they called up david and they were like hey we're under some heat over here and he was like you know what it's god's will for us to leave texas and it's time to colonize the world for Jesus. And just like that, the children of God dispersed around Europe and South America. Sounds, sounds familiar. Where they continued <laughs> spreading the word of Jesus. Here's where it gets, it just gets crazier from here. In 1974, David's daughter, Faithy, she was in Libya, you know, preaching, doing her, doing what they need. I just pictured her like the most badass bitch. It's like, it's not Faith, it's Faithy. It's fucking Faithy. <laughs> One day while doing, you know, her normal children of God preaching, you know, singing songs, praising Jesus, all that stuff. Um, she ended up sleeping with one of the guys she was proselytizing to. Uh, Immediately she felt guilty. Not that she had sex with someone else, but she had sex with a quote unquote heathen because he wasn't outside. part of the children of God. 
So she called her dad, David Berg, who was like, you know, the leader of this entire cult. And she told him what happened. And he said it was amazing that she experienced that on that particular day because earlier that morning he had a vision about, what a about flirty him. fish. So flirty fish, so, you know, there would be instances in which we would have to portray God's love in a physical way. And that's okay. Actually, it's encouraged. You know, what better way to show God's love by showing them what true love feels like? So flirty fishing is basically a new way of missionary work, the ultimate, the ultimate missionary work. Use your body for God. Have sex with people to bring them to God. Become Jesus oh whores, quote unquote. Yeah. It wasn't long until David released a letter about flirty fishing, which is known as the FFers. It became, <laughs> yeah, it became widely practiced by all of his female followers. Like, I know where this is going. Like, right now, it, this seems, like, fun in an interesting way, but I know where this is all going, so, like, it's not. Yeah, it's not fun. <laughs> David had a vision one day of the words Tenerife in the sky. <laughs> I love true crime stuff. It's so fun. <laughs> oh, my God. That's that's my first tattoo. <laughs> Tenerife. Obviously, oh I'm pronouncing God. it incorrectly, but it is an island in Spain. So he decided that this was like the next big place that they needed to uh, proselytize in. So he- it's like me being like, I need to go to Mykonos. <laughs> you like wake up, Mykonos, <laughs> or whatever. It's like me. I'm like I'm like 16 years old. I'm like, Dad, I need I need to go to Mykonos. I don't know why. You like rise up like a, a dead person, Mykonos. <laughs> He's, I'm like, God told me to go there. It's my destiny. It's my motherfucking destiny. <laughs> Lindsay Lohan will be there with ecstasy and also like all these naked men. It's true. <laughs> so he packed up his shit, brought some wives and a few other followers, and they moved to Tenerife <laughs> at the hotel. I, I need to go to Tenerife now. <laughs> uh, so at the hotel they were staying at. I can't. I think I might have got your fucked up headphones. Yeah, you probably did. Cause <laughs> <laughs> you because it looks fine like you, you just move it until it sounds good again the the hello, actual hello, like hello. cord because this one cord. is the cord hello 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 well move no move your like the cord like put it in a different position hello 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 oh that's all changing so many yeah ah. yeah you know, I'll say it. I said it again. I said, I said it once. Say it again. I need to hey, if someone's this. listening, like you can just send us like <laughs> yeah. new headphones. It's yeah. chill. We like won't deny them. They have to have the like legit aux plug-in though, like the heavy-duty ones, not the just like not the basic, bitch. not the basic bitch ones. So they went to Tenerife. <laughs> Going back to Tenerife. At the hotel they were staying at, there was a club, and it was just filled with people. <laughs> there's me there's Corey. i'm there you're there we're all on molly yeah david (laughs) decided that this club was the perfect place for flirty fishes to spread jesus's love soon david had over 25 flirty fishes seducing and sleeping with men daily in the name of god men traveled from all over the world to sleep and meet these flirty fishes what there are videos of like the prime minister of like Sweden and shit what being the there fuck? of like CEOs of companies all around the world. Being I guess there. it's like, hey, look at these like hippie American girls who are young and hot. And like we heard they sleep with men. That's true. I get that. It's prostitution. I see that. Yeah. This, this is prostitution. Yeah. 
During this time, Moe's letters were starting to be published and became more and more frequent. He started pushing flirty fishing, flirty fishing even harder, and his followers obeyed. David started releasing films showing flirty fishing and the law of love. These films are basically Christian pornos. I watched one. It was great. Um, important note, um, this is the point where his teachings become there you know it's always been written in letters but now it's also becoming like film so you can either read his his letters you can watch his letters like it's there's so many different ways now that you can get his message across and it's appealing to everybody now so with his teachings and films being published anyone anywhere could really read about the law of love and flirty fishing so to say the least like people were shooketh (laughs) flirty fishing was essentially prostitution because um, he would just use women to target men to bring them into the church for like their own gain. And then uh, money did start getting involved. Uh, flirty fishes even got to the point where they would actually work through escort services wow. to meet men. And whatever money they made from the men would be then donated in to the children of God. Which, you know, helped this whole thing continue And going. was that like their life? Like they were, they were like even, were they like working slash living outside of the compound? Yeah. Just like... They're flirty fishes. That Always was sending. Like, that's your life. Yeah. It's like, oh, I, I have, I'm literally a prostitute for. For the church. For, for the God. Church. Wow. But it's okay, though, because, like, you're doing it for God and, like, you're spreading this love and people are so happy and it's so positive. So it's, it's fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. You're just being completely lied to. <laughs> right. So because flirty fishing was essentially prostitution, Interpol actually got involved and they started building a case against David. David went into hiding from that point on. Only a few select individuals would ever know where David or any leader was because they would go to jail (laughs) if they weren't or like be called into courts and stuff. But even in hiding, David still released his letters, comics and movies weekly to over 700 colonies in over 70 countries. That's how huge his church is getting. The children of God, they were growing fast thanks to flirty fishing, the new wave of missionary work. By 1982, half a million people had sex with a flirty fish, and one in eight of those people joined the children of God, which was now called the family of God. What the fuck? Besides membership growing like crazy from FFing, women in the church were having babies like crazy. So now we have an entire new generation being born into the church and only growing up in the church, not we're, knowing what anything else is going on in the world. Was were, was David still like based in like Ibiza or Frederick, whatever it's called? He and Tenafri. Tenafri. Yeah. No, he was jumping around because when Interpol got involved, that's when he went. Okay, into hiding. so he's just been like jumping from place to colony place. to colony, pretty much compound to compound. Damn. By 1982, over 300 quote-unquote Jesus babies were born. Those were babies that were born from flirty fishing. They were literally called Jesus babies. Yeah. Including Ricky Rodriguez, who went by the name, or who was later named, Davidito. 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 David DeVito. David DeVito. (laughs) (laughs) This is when things get really, really bad. As time went on and David was in hiding, you know, he grew paranoid. Naturally, this is just the natural progression of a cult. We're in the 90s. Uh, until this next part. We're in the 80s right now. Oh, 80s. Um, and his teachings and writings became more and more intense and graphic and more frequent. And then it involved children. So I'm going to give you a trigger warning right now. I'm about to get into some major heavy shit here. 
Um, so much so, like it, I, it's it's rough. I'm gonna go into enough detail that you understand the severity of what happened, but I'm gonna try not to take it too far, so like you never listen to our podcast again. So I'm just gonna tell you you've been warned. Yeah. Um, just a note about everything I'm about to go through. Um, this could be an entire podcast episode on its own. So probably in the future, I'm gonna do a revisit, focusing on the child abuse that happened in this cult. Um, but yeah, I'm just going to go over it right now and a uh, trigger warning. Like if you know, last podcast on the left, like they have a four part series about this cult. And this, yeah, this should, this could have been a four part series. Yeah. They have their like gold star moments where they go crazy graphic. And I think they even skipped over some of this stuff. Oh yeah. No, I like, you know, tears in my eyes yeah. reading it. And I, I, yeah, I, I pretty much, I'm not going to read you uh, I don't think I'm going to read you anything specifically that they said. I'm just going to read about what happened okay, to yeah. you guys. Um, but yeah, it's 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 probably just a warning. Like this is probably some of the most graphic things I've ever researched and I've seen. Uh, last night, for example, just based off of the images I've seen, like I wasn't able to sleep for a few hours because all I saw in my head were these children and the pictures that I saw of these kids. So it fucked me up. And so uh, here you go. You're welcome. Fucking you up now. Here we go. <laughs> I'm excited, but also not. Yeah, get get not excited, because <laughs> I'm about to take the mood even more down. Yeah. <laughs> so David wanted an heir that could become the next leader slash messiah, so he adopted Ricky Rod- Rod- Rodriguez and named him Davidito. He published multiple comics and letters about the new messiah, so everyone knew he was. Ricky was their celebrity. He was the next leader. He was the promised child. David used his son as an example of how children should act, pushing sexual boundaries for the new generations of followers. Ricky was raised by all of David's wives, and because of that, he had a sister. Her name was Davida. Davida and Ricky were encouraged to have sex. They were children. Um, and both of them were in multiple letters and publications explaining how parents love their kids in a natural way and encourage their kids to explore sex. Um, mothers should masturbate their sons each night before they go to bed. Both parents should have sex with their kids or set up situations where their kids have sex with other people. Um, all of these letters were compiled into a 762-page book. It's a bedtime story called The Story of Davidito, which was printed and shared to over Fuck. O- over 2,700 family homes across the world. Again, this is like a story based off of this human being that exists yeah tens of thousands of people read this thousands and like, thousands of people read this yeah, before this kid even knew yeah. he had a whole book based off of him yeah about this child this started when he was a few months old yeah so it spans across his entire childhood and you know there is chapters from everything from potty training to love up time um this book was used as a guideline for parents in the cult to follow, to raise their kids to be like the Messiah. Because this is how we're raising the leader. This is how God wants us to raise the Messiah. Why wouldn't you want your kid to be raised like the Messiah? There are graphic images and letters about sex um, from pictures of five-year-old Ricky getting a blowjob from his mom um, to lessons on masturbating your kids before they go to bed to images of children engaging in sexual acts with each other. The book is horrific. Um, According to the cult, um, this is not pedophilic behavior. It's natural. And the the way that kids should be raised to appreciate and experience God's love. Damn. So it's fucked up. Um, I, last night, 
or the past few days I've been researching this, I really debated pretty hard reading some passages from the book for you guys, but I decided to not do it mainly because last night it like started putting, sending me to like a crazy panic attack, even just like reading some of it. Um, but it's definitely probably some of the worst things I've ever read in my entire life. Um, there's things about, you know, them, some of the women giving like a 12 month old, a blowjob to him being involved with orgies to him, um, try and have sex with them on planes and in public. Like he to say was fucked up as like an understatement. I, I actually don't think I've ever read child sex abuse like this before. Yeah. Probably ever. And I hope to never read it again. And there are pictures. I saw pictures of it. I saw everything like, everything of it so if you want to go uh read that on your own just type in the story of devito and um you can see all of it it's right Damn. there um in the interview or don't or be like me and don't or or, or don't <laughs> or just look up spooky story yeah like don't w- look at you know children's sex pictures child pornography go look up hours. a spooky ass lighthouse <laughs> go look at a spooky lighthouse instead of doing it i do now, in, her, in an interview for the documentary Cult Killer, I watched a couple documentaries. This one was one of my favorites. Um, Davida, <laughs> she... T- <laughs> Wait, say that sentence again? <laughs> I watched multiple documentaries and Cult Killer is my favorite. Um, Davida, <laughs> taking a drink real quick. Yes. Oh, yeah, I'm gone. My she, Yeah, my thing's like almost gone. She talked about a really specific memory she had when she was a little girl so this is the this is the daughter of david one of the daughters of david yeah who is also the, the sister of ricky yeah of ricky and um you know they would be encouraged to have sex all the time and Damn. they like uh an example is ricky was so fucked up from his childhood cause from from the moment he was born he was being molested and he was called it was called love up time and he thought that was normal. And, you know, he would watch orgies, watch his mom have sex, watch Damn. all these women have sex. These women would, you know, lick his penis and, like, masturbate as much as you can, masturbate a little child. So much so that, like, you know, Ricky always did that with Davida because that's what he thought was normal. So yeah. Ricky and Davida were put in these situations where they um, did all these sexual activities with each other when they were months old, toddlers, babies, Jeez. children. But Davida has a really specific memory, just an example that kind of captures the gravity of the situation. Um, she was a little girl, and um, in the same bed, it was Ricky, Davida, David, the cult leader, and then the mom, who was the mother of Ricky and Davida. Um, Ricky was 12, um, and he was having full-blown intercourse with his mom in the bed next to Davida and David where when David was orally molesting Davida and in return she had to do the same to him. Now with girls, like full blown penetrative sex did not happen until you're twelve, but for boys it was different. So Ricky, like his entire childhood, was having full intercourse with grown women, with like adult women. Yeah. And trying to have it with Davida. But Davida didn't have uh penetrative sex until she was twelve. But they're doing it in the same bed, and she says she remembers when she was a kid, she thought it was a happy family love-up time. So that should kind of explain to you the gravity. Like, it was already spun to be positive for her. Yeah, it was the family. It was, like, family home evening, like, Mormon's family. It was, like, you know when your families go to, like, the movies or go out to dinner? Like, that's what – that's, like, equivalent for David and Ricky of, like, their family orgy time. 
Um, she recalls that love up time is totally normal. She didn't see anything wrong with wow. it when she was a kid because she didn't yeah. know that there was anything wrong with it when she was a kid. Uh, and, you know, whenever she'd visit David, it was positive because that's when she was able to watch cartoons. She remembers the only time she ever ate candy and watched Scooby-Doo was before love up time. And love up time was just the price she had to pay to be a child. Mm. As time went on, um, David was still in hiding from Interpol and he moved, continued moving from compound to compound. And Ricky and Davida were also moved from compound to compound all while their letters were being published and images were being published of how to correctly raise a child. David, at this point, decided that since he was not able to meet all of his followers in person because they, you know, were in the thousands across the globe. Um, he started a general conference twice a year. Yeah, he decided that, or sorry, the Lord decided that all the women should send him striptease videos. What oh, I'm fuck? sorry, actually, not just the women, the women and the children should send them striptease videos, which I have watched. <laughs> wait, Woo-hoo! wait, like, okay. So he gave them very specific instructions on what the striptease video should look like. Me not knowing there would be children involved. Turn one on. And the document, like, it's fine. Um, so yeah, women would submit these very specific striptease videos. Their children would too, the women children. Um, it was, you know, supposed to be because they love David and they love the Lord. And this is how much they love the Lord that they're going to do exactly what the Damn. Lord says. Supposedly, according to some cult leaders that are still active today, the children's striptease videos weren't for sexual use. It's because the children watched their moms do it and they wanted to do it. So that's why the children did the striptease videos. But based off of the horrific sexual abuse that children are already enduring it's safe to assume that david did want them to be involved in the striptease videos as well yeah there were also videos of um, women masturbating videos of group sex things like that sent to the lord aka david damn word continued to spread around the world about this cult that is now fucking kids and about stripteases and flirty fishing and in 1992, um, police actually ended up raiding six homes in Australia and removed over 140 children Thank in you. six homes. Um, and they threw dozens of adults in jails. Ra- raids yeah. started happening in Europe and South America. Um, now, as the child abuse allegations grew, David went deeper and deeper into hiding. Um, two years later, with legal cases just mounting, David died. Um, the church, as soon as he died, quickly removed all publications on child sex abuse and banned sex with children. Courts from all all around the world basically said, okay, we know a bunch of this abuse happened, but since it's not happening anymore, we're actually going to quit every single charge. So they did. What? So even though hundreds of children were abused in over 70 countries across the world, there was a 700-plus page book documenting on ways to abuse your child. There were videos and pictures, etc. Nothing happened because they weren't going to do it anymore. Do you think that's just because, like, this oh, happened in, in such an in such isolated communities that it was like we don't have the money or the resources to get actual factual evidence to 
commit or to like find these people guilty in a court. I don't know why it happened, but I mean, it's not like they like, you know, this cult was in the tens of thousands across 70 countries. Yeah. It's not like every single commune was in an isolated area, like somewhere in bigger cities. Like, for example, the Australia like raids were just like in Melbourne, like a big city (laughs) in Australia. So I just think that, uh, you know, Why, this, like, this I, is just a failure on court systems across the world. But I feel like there has to be like some reasoning to it. Like, hey, if we get people like all of the evidence we have is just are these videos and you could pinpoint that on any given person, which isn't factual evidence. And you can use, you know, yeah, I'm trying to I mean, be it's like, hard to, it's, why it's, would people just give up on trying to literally just throw everyone in jail yeah, <laughs> and I, involved in this piece of shit cult? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Corey. I don't know what to tell you. It's. Going through true crime, the like courts are constantly some legal, people. Yeah, like I'm sure a lawyer gets like why that maybe happened. But and and it's it's difficult because you know this is over a span of like multiple different countries, so like yeah, the same like there's like it would be so much money to really pinpoint to send, you know, George Martin or like whoever yeah. to jail. When at the end of the day, like. Like, the physical proof they did have was from David and from, yeah. like, the core members. And, and he had that in his possession. So you're like, okay, well, fuck him, but he's dead. But I can't give, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F person. Yeah, I can't give these other, you know, like, 40,000 members in jail or whatever. They should be. But, but they should be. Yeah, but we and can't. And we have circumstantial evidence that they should. But, yeah. like, we don't have hard evidence that would actually convict them in a court of law. Yeah. So it's fucked up. Damn. Like, not every single cult member, you know, fucked kids, but yeah. you know, I would say there's probably a good amount that did. <laughs> that I read a couple quotes from some ex members where they. Okay, let me just take. I'm I'm gonna Sorry, go. Off, I, yeah. I'm gonna go off note for one second. Okay. So it's important to note this. Uh, or I, I found this really interesting. One of the children of the cult of the, he's like now an ex member. He talked about how what's really fascinating to him about this cult. Was, you know, it started off with the hippies and stuff and they became the flirty fishers and they spanned across all these countries. And so all these different people of all different backgrounds joined this cult. Like it didn't matter their race, their uh, income, like it didn't matter. All these different people from all across the world joined this cult. And then suddenly when like fucking children got involved, all of these different types of people did it. (laughs) So it's like really interesting to them that, uh, you know, it's not, I don't know, it, it, there's so many different types of people that were, that just followed David blindly, which included fucking kids, but it's hard to prove that they all fucked kids because there's so many different there's people so from all these different areas. so many different, yeah. And the problem is, like, so this is now a different guy that I read about. He said, like, once you fucked a kid, you're in. Like, because that guilt and dread of knowing that you just raped a 10-year-old child. Well, you're child's locked in. in. Yeah, so that's you're locked the in, same so with, like, leave child shame. pedophile rings in, like, celebrity-level, politician levels in our nation. Yeah, that's exactly. Conspiracy points, so it's, but we won't get So that. it's, like, all – there's so many different things that's going on. But the fact of the matter is all these different people from all these different backgrounds, from all these different countries were fucking kids, and no one went to jail. Yeah. And they're still alive. And they're still alive. And the cult's still around today. But they don't do it anymore. They, they don't Allegedly. Do it anymore. Uh, flirty fishing was also banned around this time because, you know, it was prostitution. So it was banned because it literally was prostitution. Yeah, I could name that something else. <laughs> so as Ricky grew into a young adult, you know, he started realizing how his upbringing wasn't normal. 
and he was literally literally the poster child for sex abuse like on posters yeah. on <laughs> on comics on videos um he started resenting his mother who let him go through everything he went through and his nannies who abused him the most he hated david and hated the cult and he began hating god um you know he was supposed to be the leader after david died and to become a leader of a group that would do such horrific things to children was just impossible for Ricky to do. When he was 19 years old, he met Alexa, Alexia Munamel at one of the communes in Europe. The two quickly fell in love and they got married. A few years later, the pair decided that it was time to finally leave the cult. So together in 2001, they took off and moved to Seattle. Nice. For a few years, things did seem normal. It really felt like they were able just to walk away from their abuse and start to heal. But as time went on, guilt hit Ricky because he felt like it was unfair to leave and stay quiet about the abuse that he and hundreds, Mm. if not thousands of children endured. Ex members even came to him and begged him to come forward because if anyone, if anyone was to believe it would be the the future leader of the cult. Right. And he was the kid in the videos, in the books and everything like that. He was like the perfect person to make the world listen about the truth behind the children of God, AKA the family. So guilt turned to hate. And hate turned for the need of revenge. And in 2004, Ricky left Alexia in Seattle and traveled to Tucson, Arizona with the goal to find his mother. When he left the family, he cut off all ties with any active members. And since his mother was the leader because Ricky left, um, her location was top secret. It would be almost impossible for him to figure out her location without really being in the family. So... He figured, though, if he went to Tucson and visited her sister, which is his aunt, he might be able to find a way to find her because she is like a family member. So maybe his aunt knows where his mom is. So he moved to Tucson, talked to the sister, and just waited and waited and waited and waited. And months went by. And as he waited, his anger grew. And he, and he started getting a t- contact with active cult members to slide his way back in to try to find his mom. Finally, he heard that his main nanny, Angela Smith, she was one of the main abusers in his childhood. You can see pictures of her molesting him. Um, She was going to be in Tucson. And he knew if anyone knew where his mother was, she would. Because he knew, like, she was still up there, one of the top girls. So he contacted her. You know, he said, I want to get back into the family. (laughs) He contacted her. She agreed, you know, thinking that he was ready to return. Their Messiah is back. And then on January 7th, 2005, the night before Angela was meeting Ricky, Ricky drank a few beers, put his weapons on his dining room table, and began recording an hour-long video explaining why he needed revenge and what he was going to do. This video is heartbreaking. Yeah, I've, I've heard some of it. Yeah, I've watched all of it. You can watch the whole video on YouTube. You can actually read the transcript online if you don't want to watch it. Um, just search Ricky Rodriguez video. He, like... It's sad. Yeah. It's you can up. just tell in every word of his voice that he is troubled and just. He's broken. Is broken. Yeah. Thank you. He's, He's just, just broken. broken. Yeah. On January 8th, Angela Smith met Ricky inside of his apartment. They spoke for a bit. Then Ricky stabbed her to death and slit her throat. He took off and started driving he, to California. Can I, can I know? It, it actually is. It's very interesting because he <clears throat> like while he sounds very troubled and broken, he sort of has this at least I remember, like, I listened to this, like, a year ago or yeah. a year and a half ago. He sounds very, like, hey, like, I'm fucked up, and I don't know what to do here because, like, I should be, I should try and not do what I want to do, but also I feel like I need to do what I want to do. Because like, he's very, he sounds very, 
level-headed in his like analysis of how he feels he und- yeah he understands exactly why he's about to do what he's gonna yeah do. and that it's, it's horrible yeah. and like he maybe shouldn't do it but it, it's very interesting but at the same yeah. time like if you endured over a decade of abuse and you were the poster child of how to sexually abuse your child yeah you would do this like, like you i would 100 yeah, no, yeah. probably do this because like he he was broken from the beginning yeah. from a few months old he was being molested and he they used him to teach people how to abuse their kids yeah to be like him it's so fucked up so he met angela at his apartment they spoke for a bit stabbed her to death slit her throat mutilated her boobs because she used to always like make him touch her boobs and stuff oh. and do a lot of things with her boobs um he took off started driving to california Little's known about the conversation they shared before Ricky killed her. You know, maybe she told him about the mother's location because that was the original point of meeting Angela, but maybe not. Like, the only insight we really have comes from a phone call that he had with his ex-wife after he killed Angela. Ricky told Alexia um, that when he asked Angela about what happened and about his childhood how she truly and honestly did not see anything wrong with the situation. Now she believed what she did was because God told her to. It was the natural way. And he could not, he did not prepare for that answer. Like he told Alexia, like she doesn't even have a, a tiny feeling of guilt or remorse. Like she literally sees nothing wrong and it fucked him so much that, like, I believe that's probably what led him to kill her. Yeah. Because he realized, like... He wasn't prepared for, like, her thought of, like, I'm innocent. Yeah, exactly. Like, her, she truly, to this day, thinks she's innocent. Side note, if you go to Ricky Rodriguez, I think it's .com or .org, it's a memorial site put on by the family. Um, they actually kind of side with her on this it's really fucked up y'all this whole thing is so fucked up they talked about how he did that he committed the ultimate sin because of her beliefs and things like that. oh my god it's it's i'm fine <laughs> the next day ricky drove to blythe california checked into the hotel drove a quarter of the mile away from the hotel and shot himself in the head and was killed a few days later the video was publicly released now, Ricky was not the only kid that killed himself because of this cult. Dozens and dozens of children have killed themselves. Dozens and dozens of adults have killed themselves who participated in these acts. Um, victims have spoken out against the cult, but still nothing has been done. Famous people like Joaquin Phoenix and Rose McGowan, they grew up in the cult and they have spoken about their experiences, but still nothing has happened in fact, the cult is still active today. They are now known as the Family International, and they are over 80 countries right now preaching the gospel and spreading love. Oh, my God. Right now. This cult, who started in the 60s with pure intent, slowly through time started a Christian prostitution ring and then started abusing thousands of kids, are still active to this day. And nothing, nothing, and no one has been charged with any form of abuse of a child, even though all of these kids have been fucking molested or raped. I want to know, like, yeah, I want to know, like, what, like, whatever officials are involved in each state or if it's just the CIA or whatever, or FBI. Like, I just want to know the reasoning for, like, we, we, we won't, you know, 
send anybody to trial. Yeah. But uh, And if you're not triggered enough, just go read the story of Davidito. Go read Moe's letters. Go read about flirty fishing. Because, uh, yeah, this is probably some of the hardest research I've ever done in terms yeah. of me r- getting through material. Because it was very challenging on or, my mental health or you to can get go through. read about a spooky lighthouse in st augustine florida so yeah i i i'm giving up on true crime <laughs> <laughs> this is now just a supernatural and supernatural podcast and my question for you Corey, is anyways has your sex life um, and ignore the big penis in the background if you can hear yeah, it jesus why do what guys straight men who are listening to our podcast PSA. for some reason yeah straight identifying straight men who listen to our podcast i don't know like how many of there you are but you're there. But like, what what drives you to sit in a parking lot next to multiple houses and apartments and rev your engine? Asking for a friend. Asking for <laughs> a friend. Like, I don't get it. Like, what what inspires you to like think this is a positive thing for everyone involved? Hi, Jordan. Or even for you. Hello. We're almost done. Jordan's had to hear a lot of really gross things for the past few days. Because so I would like read it and be like, what the fuck? And I have like, to say it out cry? loud. And he was like, please stop. <laughs> um, w- last time, it's life? been a week, right? Is it inappropriate to talk about sex lives right now? <laughs> oh, I don't have like, I, nothing's going on with me, really. I was on my period the whole the whole oh. week. So Jordan's blue ball on it Yeah, right nothing now. like crazy interesting or different. Just worked. Um, worked, worked, worked. We're both Worked, watched RuPaul. Um, went and saw a couple movies. You already talked about The Invisible Man. I talked about The Invisible Man last time? Yeah. Okay, we saw Emma. Emma was good. Um, yeah, that's it. Nothing, like, really... We're going to California this week, because Corey's birthday's in two weeks. Yeah, my birthday's in two weeks. I'm going to California. Um, that's it. That's pretty much it. Nothing, like, crazy interesting this past week. Same, same. I worked... That's about it. (laughs) Worked out. Well, we we had our, our dodgeball, uh tournament we came in third or fourth i don't know we yeah. didn't have a third fourth constellation game Ta-da. um but yeah it was fun it's been a week it's just been a regular like the most average week you yeah can possibly yeah have. like nothing bad just nothing bad. average nothing yeah. significant just a good average week yeah so anyways how's your sex average life <laughs> <laughs> bye sorry for the child sex abuse bye guys <laughs>